You're listening to The Other Side of Texas. I'm Daniel, the Digital Millennial Guru. Stay tuned for a couple spots from our sponsors. They keep the show going. Thank you. Small business is big in West Texas, fueled by a special breed of entrepreneurs. They sow seeds of hard work and rely on each other to grow. They're all connected by a common thread that creates the character of our community, and they keep us moving forward. And no one brings small business together like First Bank and Trust. At First Bank and Trust, you get more than a bank. You get a network across this entire community. Take a step with the bank that knows how to make small business a bigger deal. On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. And we do roll along here on your other side of Texas, Jay West Texas Lease. We kick off another episode here of the program. Glad that you're tuning in. I'm grinning ear to ear that you'd be here with us from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. Today we have Ross Ramsey coming up and then our friend Mike Bazaar, Ross Ramsey of the Texas Tribune. It is budget day in the texas house which means that they could go late late into the night and early morning debating the budget and what you need to know about the budget and whether or not you knew that they were debating a budget uh, why that matters and what they're talking about what's at the center of the debate also ross ramsey going to talk to us about a couple of other issues why property tax relief may not be for all texas taxpayers um, property tax quote-unquote relief is the way i would uh, edit the headline and then some of the secrets of texas government aren't supposed to be secrets open meetings acts and why that matters it's always bothersome to me that you know at like at my birthday party there were a couple of city council people there if there were i believe four city council people there then that would be a quorum and how cool would that be at your birthday party to have a quorum but what's not cool is that four people could be talking about something and make arrangements for something so that the meeting itself is really not a meeting it's to formalize what was not discussed in public but was debated discussed hashed through in private that's a big deal ross ramsey's going to get in with that and then we'll have our friend mike bizarre so that i can put on my tinfoil hat another edition of tinfoil hat here on the program man i'm just getting over tulsa that was uh that was quite a trip with some great folks and really enjoyed my time out there in the ncaa tournament and folks i gotta tell you i'm really worn out right now um i've said before and i i make a little ad on the show about it but started as a real estate agent not realtor guy uh but more working with commercial properties and the only thing i can think to liken it to is eating the big texan in that you just sit down and you take a bite at a time and and i'll finish it just like i did the big texan twice but you learn it and you do it and you keep on learning and doing and 
doing and learning and it's like anything else um luck favors those who put forward the effort and uh, and things are beginning to come together there and really fortunate to be in the place that i am and appreciate uh those who've reached out to me to uh help them with their industrial commercial i I don't want to make an ad here i'm just sitting down at the end of a long day thinking holy cow where did the time go before other side of texas kicks off um a whole lot of fun uh there you know something that i talk about pretty often is the guy in the middle and it's the guy in the middle that i pay attention to in politics um I always say that I'm a West Texican. Uh, I went on a rant yesterday about the Lubbock County uh, Republican Party, which, you know, is the reddest part of America right here on the Texas Cap Rock, and yet 50 to 75 people show up for the annual meetings. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is not that people are disinterested. Obviously, they're very interested. Like, just a comparison for you. How many people would show up for a Lubbock County Republican Party event versus how many people would show up for a Jody Arrington event? Arrington, by the way, uh, played a big role in the headline earlier today um, because I have Matt Dotre on my notifications on Twitter um that Dias Air Force Base will now be the site at which uh the B21 weapons training and for the B21 weapons training and test squadron but the thing is with Arrington not everybody has to think alike and believe alike they can agree with each other on 70 or 80% of the issues but whenever it comes to this Lubbock County Republican Party, by God, you better be at the right place on Sunday and you better express the same talking points as everybody else. It's just sheeple. And it drives me crazy. And why it drives me crazy is that West Texans, by their very virtue, like doing all this work on Ancestry.com, figuring out where the Leeson clan came from, where... uh, my grandmother's part of the family came from methodist circuit riders there's a lot of independence there and if you cannot embrace independence independent thought then uh you aren't going to hold out very long and i i say all that to say that i got a lot of feedback after the show yesterday and then into the evening about this criticism and I don't what I said on Twitter was look alike. I didn't want to make a though there are some who I've talked with people who may not look like everybody else show up to an event and feel like they're um they're second class at those events. That's not my my argument. My argument is more ideological that there needs to be some flexibility. And you know and here's the deal the lubbock county republican party may not feel and sorry if you're outside of lubbock but this is uh, pertinent to you like we've got listeners in places where like into the rolling plains where there wasn't a, a county republican party until 2012 
but we've got some hyper-partisanship going. And anyway, back to the guy in the middle. Sorry for a flurry of thoughts right out of the gate. Dustin Burroughs has taken it. Uh, state representative out of the House District 83, Lubbock, and then six counties that go off to the southwest. Three go off to southwest. Three go off to the southeast. Is taking it from the Democrats and uh, from the hyper Democrats and taking it from empowered Texans. And I think that's respectable. Um, I always appreciate the guy in the middle. I appreciate the West Texican-ism of being the guy in the middle. And we'll see how that unfolds over the course of the evening. What we're going to do now is get to a quickie break. Getting our friend Ross Ramsey on the show. Got a head full of steam. And we're rolling along here on the program. Be back. Make a little bit of money. Come back. Quick break. Two minutes. Right back with you on the other side of Texas. Sound of hailstones hitting tents. It's loud enough you gotta yell now. The whole thing hits me like a song. The pretty one won't last long. Appreciate Mullen, Horde, and Brown. On the phone with us now is the man, the myth, the legend. He is Ross Ramsey, somewhere in the Texas Capitol, or at least near the Texas Capitol. Ross Ramsey on a Wednesday. How are you, Ross Ramsey? I'm fine. I'm right here in the middle of it. I just walked through the rotunda where it's noisy and uh, trying to find a quiet place. You should have just grabbed a bunch of guys and put them on speakerphone. Said, uh, let's go on the radio. That's a good way to clear a room. Hey, guys, we're on the radio. <laughs> yeah. You should tell them. That. Are you, so uh, presumably you're watching the house today. Right. And what is the house doing? I already kind of queued it up, but uh, put it in Ross Ramsey, Layman 101, Texas legislature terms. They're uh, working their way through the budget. And really what happens, this is the first time the budget's been on the floor in the house in this session. And it's the first time that most members get to have a crack at it. If they want to add something or they want to subtract something or they want to say something, you know, this is when they do it. And so the first day that the House budget's on the floor or the Senate budget's on the floor, it's a long, drawn-out thing. It's about a 1,000-page bill, and they go, you know, article by article, which is like chapter by chapter through the budget. Right now they're working on the health and human services part. That'll take a long time. Education comes next. That'll take a long time, and those are the two big obstacles in this conversation. And, you know, um, one of the conversations on the floor is, when do you think we'll be done tonight? Just a guess at how long the conversation's going to go, and most of the guesses are somewhere between 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. But closer to 2 a.m., right? Well, I, you know, I'm on the 9 a.m. end of it. I, I kind of think that they're going pretty well. They haven't had any big fights. They pulled down a lot of controversial amendments. Uh, the new speaker, Dennis Bonin, uh, seems so far to be pretty good at averting um, problems. I mean, pretty good at seeing problems develop and, and catching them before they turn into brush fires. And they haven't had any really big fights on the floor. Uh, two years ago, you may remember a couple of members got into it over an amendment that would take um, that had to do with feral hogs and shooting them from helicopters. So. Mm-hmm. You know they they can get weird out there. Jonathan Stickland and Drew high. Springer. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly right. Sometimes you know they get real tense and the you know uh, tempers get frayed and people people fight a little bit. 
there's been very, very little of that. And even the disagreements have been pretty civil so far. But you think there are hundreds of amendments left. You think that we're just going to dismiss those amendments and move on? Yeah, there's two or three ways to set things aside. You can decide, you can talk somebody out of an amendment. They have to file an amendment. They had to file their amendments on this bill by 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So the authors of the bill and some of the other voices in the House have had time to try to pe- talk people out of the more inflammatory things that probably weren't going to end up in the budget but probably were going to fight, cause fights. There's a part of this budget called, a uh, part of any budget called Article 11, which, you know, the the folks on the press table refer to as the boneyard or the graveyard, but you bring an amendment and they accept it into the bill and it goes into Article 11, which means that it's not actually in the budget, but it's attached so that the conference committee can talk about it if they want to. The conference committee is where they reconcile whatever the House does with whatever the Senate does. And it's really a way to say, um, I'm losing, but I'm saving faith. And then, you know, members can, members can always just pull things down and they can always take their amendment. You know, I could always take an amendment that I was planning and see that you have an amendment related to it, and I could try to attach my amendment to your amendment instead of going directly to the bill. So there's a lot of ways to cut the 300 pages of amendments down to something a little bit more manageable. Yeah, so here's the real question. When does Ross Ramsey pull out of the Capitol tonight? It depends on how it's going. You know, we have... Um, a couple of reporters on the floor. Edgar Walters is the byline to watch for tomorrow. He's the guy covering it inch by inch. And, you know, the, the ins and outs of the bill. I'm really just watching the, the temper of the House, see what the feelings are, uh, talk to people on the side about, you know, how does what you're doing today play into the other two big pieces of finance this time. Um, a week from today, they're going to do the big school finance bill in the House. And although they haven't said it yet, my guess would be that they're going to do property taxes the Wednesday after that and get all three of those big financial pieces out of the way or out of the house by Easter, uh, the better to set them up for, you know, the conversation at the end of the session with the Senate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you may be there till 2 a.m. Maybe so. If things get exciting, Ross Ramsey is the Well, Texas. if it just, just stays interesting, right? Yeah, Uh with the Texas Tribune. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you can read a Ross Ramsey piece there at Texas Tribune. Uh, Ross, let's talk a little bit about why property tax relief may not be for all Texas taxpayers. That's a big part. Frame that for us is how do you... Let me back up. Point of privilege, Mr. Speaker. Sure. Um, how do you put together a budget that don't address the property tax relief portion first? Well, there's two, two things here. So there's a conversation about property taxes, and it splits into a conversation about property tax reform and a conversation about property tax relief. So there's really sort of two areas to watch. Property tax reform is the conversation that we've talked about over, you know, for example, requiring voter approval anytime property tax revenues for a city or a county go over 2.5%. And that's an idea that is about reform and about limiting the, uh, the speed at which your property taxes can go up. But it doesn't cut your taxes. So the second conversation is about, well, if, if voters have been screaming about property taxes, and they have, how do you cut their property taxes? How do you go about that? The House has uh, and the Senate has legislation filed 
that hasn't gone anywhere yet, but it's been a subject of conversation that would raise your sales taxes and swap the money that they raised with sales tax increases for property tax cuts. Hmm. If you raise the sales tax in Texas by a penny to seven and a quarter percent, of course, locals can add two cents on top of that. But if you raise the state part of the sales tax by a penny, it raises just over $5 billion. And just over $5 billion is enough to cut school property taxes by about 20 cents. So that's one way at this. Um, and if you did that on a house that was had, had a taxable value of 250000 you know, a 20-cent cut is about $500 a year. So maybe that's a tax cut that people will feel. The Senate's talking about one. One more thing about that. That's a tax cut for everybody, you know, whether their own business property, personal property, residential property, whatever it is. The Senate's talking about a different version of this. It wouldn't require a tax to go up, but they would take some of the money, about $750 million every year from the severance tax that right now goes into the rainy day fund, and they would use that money to pay for a $10,000 additional homestead exemption on property taxes. And the advantage to that is that you don't have to raise a tax to do it. The couple of disadvantages, business doesn't like it because they don't get a property tax cut. Uh, They're basically looking at the capital and saying, so you're using a business tax, the severance tax on oil and gas, to finance a, a tax break for homeowners, and they don't like that very much. And there are some people up here, too, who would rather see that money keep going into the state's rainy day fund, um, you know, which they're using right now for Hurricane Harvey, and people are, you know, thinking you know, the argument is, you know, there's going to be another Hurricane Harvey or another something, and we ought to have money inside it. Hmm. Uh, so, Ross, what are some sales tax items that may come up, things that we didn't tax before that we could? Well, if they did the sales tax thing that they're talking about, the straight swap would be just raise it a penny, keep taxing the things you're taxing, just tax them at a different rate. So not taxing there the donuts. Not taxing the donuts, right. Okay. There's another proposal. I mean, there's always a bunch of proposals. One idea is to uh, raise the money for property tax relief by expanding the sales tax. Tax the donuts. Maybe you tax non-prescription medicine. Maybe you tax, you know, over, you know, over-the-counter drugs. Uh, one proposal would put a sales tax on uh, gasoline, which already has a gasoline tax, so you'd be taxing a tax. Um, all of these things are, you know, whenever they do a tax bill, you know, when I first got down here in 89, pretty quickly after that they were doing a big tax bill, and whenever they do a tax bill, it's an exercise in politics where you're basically saying, how much money can I raise? Without getting people mad enough to throw me out of office, <laughs> and and when and when you're doing a tax swap, the question is a variation of that: is how much more pain would people take on this tax over here in order to lower that tax over there? Right now, sales taxes have the advantage of being kind of hidden. You pay them a little bit every time you go to a cash register or a restaurant or whatever, and you don't really necessarily notice how much you pay in sales taxes over a year's time. The property tax, you see the number at the end of the year or when you're paying or when you're putting together your taxes and it makes people's blood pressure go up. So how much increase in the sales tax, invisible as it is, would people take or accept in order to lower their property taxes? One of the interesting components to every one of these that I've seen is that all of them 
are put together in a way where the legislature wouldn't decide. All the legislature would do is put the idea in front of voters and let voters decide in a constitutional amendment. All so right. push come to shove, it'd be the voters making the decision. Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune, as we carry along and tarry along here on the program. Uh, One other thing I wanted to ask you about here, Ross, is some of the secrets of Texas government aren't supposed to be secrets. Uh, That's your headline there. Uh, Tell us about open government and what's happening and what people need to be concerned about here. Well, you know, Texas used to have um, on the books one of the best open record laws, open government best set of open government laws in the country. Uh, Florida is sort of noted for their what they call their sunshine laws, but Texas had a great set of laws. And a couple of uh, Supreme Court decisions over the last few years have carved into them. At the state level or federal level? At at the state level, at the Texas Supreme Court. One of them is called the Boeing decision, and it's about, you know, when you've got a government contractor, how much of what the government contractor does with state funds on state projects is public and how much of it is trade secrets that that corporation can hold, you know, hold close, not show the public. And the court ruled, you know, broadly speaking, the court ruled in favor of the corporation keeping their trade secrets. And it had the effect of making a lot of things that were public information before private information that the public doesn't get to see. So you've got state money or taxpayer money being used for, you know, government uses, basically, that have been privatized, and you can't really see what's being done with the money, how much people are paying for this or that or the other thing, because of the private interests of the corporation that won the bid. That's the Boeing decision. There's another one called the Greater Houston Partnership Decision. It's an economic development thing in Houston, and they get some public funding. And so the question was, how much of what the Greater Houston Partnership does you know, this is for corporate relocations and expansions and things like that. How much of their stuff is public? They get public funds. It ought to be public. It went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, basically, if you don't get enough of your funding that it's critical from the public, then what you're doing is not public. In the case of the Greater Houston Partnership, I think 8% of their funding came from government entities. The court said that's not enough. They can keep their secrets. And it put another hole in the Open Government Act. So a couple of bills this time in the House and the Senate, they tried them last year, they didn't get them through, they're trying them again, that would, you know, basically repair the open government laws. And, you know, we're just kind of watching it go along here. Hmm. So as you watch it go along, Ross, four decades in here, are you concerned about this? Uh, are there fixes that can be made that would would help us return back to the top of open meetings laws in the country? Yeah, I think, you know, it depends on where you are on this stuff. I mean, everybody has, you know, everybody gets an opinion on this. You could argue, and people do, that, you know, the stuff in the Boeing decision was correct, and and the open government laws went too far. You can argue that, you know, you can't do that kind of economic development if you can see behind the scenes. Um, But you can also look at these things, and, you know, these things are related. If you're saying on one hand that voters need to be able to roll back taxes or get an automatic election when their city council or their county commission is raising taxes, you know, the cities and the counties say, well, look, you can watch us and you can unelect us if we do something wrong. And that's true if they are running transparent governments and you can see into what the city's doing and what the county's doing. 
the problem with taking down transparency laws and honoring privacy, uh, you know, among governments and the businesses that deal with governments is that it takes away from taxpayers and voters the ability to see and to make intelligent decisions about the people they send to the city hall, to the county commission, to Austin, and to Washington. Uh, Ross Ramsey, I think you're going to be home by 9, huh? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Either that or cold dinner. All right. Well, uh, just <laughs> put those Twitter notifications. He's at Ross Ramsey on Twitter. Just put those notifications on. Let us know if anything heats up there, Ross. Thank you, buddy. I'll do it. All right. Appreciate you, Ross Ramsey. Ross Ramsey, the Texas Tribune. Appreciate Ross's time. Going to get out, come back in. uh, The Lubbock DA's office has issued an opinion. I guess you could call it that. On... What is legal and what's illegal whenever it comes to CBD oil? You're seeing this stuff fly off shelves. Uh, what is the Lubbock County DA's office have to say? And our friend Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions. Got my foil out, ready to make myself a hat over the break, and we'll get in with Mike Bazaar. Stick with us right here on the other side. Take off your shoes, come over, take a seat. Knock that chill off your bones. Got food on the phone. When you're best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. I'm a big, big man. Not just in size or in stature, in terms of space that can't be filled. I'm a bottomless canyon, down a drop spill. Yeah, I'm a bottomless canyon, down a drop spill. Hey, welcome back in all your real estate needs. You need a real estate agent? You're listening to him right here. Jay West Texas Leasing gets you taken care of on industrial, commercial, residential. I, I do residential, but if it's going to be like really high anxiety, I try to stay with it, stay away from it, and uh, just do the money in commercial. But I'm glad to help you, listeners of this program. Uh, appreciate you listening and glad to help you with all your real estate needs. If you think we shoot you straight here on the program, which we do, then you can trust me with your real estate interests. You can contact me, J. A-Y dot Leeson, that's L-E-E-S-O-N. Lesson has never been pronounced Leeson. It's L-E-E-S-O-N, J dot Leeson at com. Everything Lubbock says this. And I tend to think I know where this came from because he's one of the most intrepid reporters in the city of Lubbock, James, appreciate this. Lubbock prosecutors say CBD oil is illegal if it contains THC. Uh, we have our friend Mike Bazaar in studios. Mike, do you want to take a guess at what THC stands for? Oh, I forget what it is, but it's the psycho, you know, part of the marijuana stuff. 
Yeah. So it's the stuff that it's, makes you mellow and has the psycho, psychotic properties or whatever. Psychotic's the wrong word. Tetra hydro cannabinol. Okay. So there you go. Tetra T, H is the hydro, and cannabinol is the C. Everything Lubbock says that they asked the Lubbock County Criminal District Attorney if CBD oil is legal, the DA responded. And what is the deal with double spaces? (laughs) That was kind of out of nowhere. It is out of nowhere. (laughs) If you're writing on the typewriter, I understand why you put the double spaces. Yeah. But you're not supposed to in in It's 2019. Yeah. You don't do that anymore. No, I still do it because that's how I was taught. Like I, I just don't. really I, like, like it's, te- it's habit. If I go back and I look through our text messages, I'll see you double space me. Uh, not on text, probably because that's double, but on a keyboard when I'm typing on a keyboard, I think I still double tap. You got to stop doing that. I'm I'm trying. It I'm just, in a, I'm in a, a double tap anonymous. The whole thing is you got to be as succinct as possible. Yeah. No double spaces. You got to be careful with that. You got it, bizarre. You I come do. in here and you tell me some things, but I'm telling you something right now. <laughs> no, no more double spacing. Don't double space me, bro. All right, but can we agree? You're not my grandfather writing me an email on a typewriter. No, but I, I think I, we need I, to, a letter. I should say. I think I agree. Succinct is good, but we also need to agree that there's this whole generation of kids that type horrifically because everything's abbreviated, and they carry that into. That's true, but and double spacing isn't going to fix that. It's just no. going to make it worse. Yeah. I think succinct but proper is probably needs to be the statement. The Lubbock County District Attorney's Office releases the following statement. Is CBD oil in Texas legal in Texas? Question mark. CBD oils on the market commonly contain THC, tetrahydro THC in any concentration is illegal under Texas law pursuant to the Controlled Substances, Substances Act. This, however, is a quickly changing area of the law. That's their way of saying, we're going to arrest you, but we don't know what we're going to hold you on. <laughs> A a bill is pending in the Texas legislature that, if passed and enacted, would legalize possession of CBD oil if the amount of THC in the oil was 3% or less, bringing Texas in compliance with the 2018 Federal Farm Bill. Although our office has yet to receive any CBD oil cases for prosecution, we continue to assess the law and facts presented when deciding whether to prosecute a particular defendant for a particular crime, and that is in the best interest of justice, 3% or less THC. I've never taken... uh, CBD. I have not either. But if we had, we better hope that it's less than 3%. Yeah. THC yeah. could be in trouble. Our friend Mike Bazaar 
Bizarre Solutions in studio as he is each week. Glad to have him on. Give you your proper due, sir. Uh, so this has been monikered the um, the tinfoil hat segment because you always bring up things that blow my mind. Um, <laughs> what what do you want to hear? me wig out about today so i I think this will be a pretty low-key week like people can wear regular hats this week yeah and so a couple of things follow up last week we talked about robocalls everybody hates them tons and tons of them i think 50 percent of all phone calls right now are robocalls at&t and comcast are working on a solution that they've been working on and they think they'll have out next month verizon just came out and said they're releasing something the end of this week so the end of this week verizon's supposed to release a new call filter app to anybody that's got Verizon so they can block them on cell phones, which would be fantastic because I hate robo-dialers. I stopped answering calls of contact. I don't have the contact information, but the first three are 806. The second three are my prefix, 543. I've just stopped answering those calls, and it's almost as though, knocking on wood, they've gone away. Yeah, I've, mine's gotten better since I started literally like yelling at the phone. I'd wait for it to connect, and then when there was somebody that answered, I'd scream at the phone, trying to get blacklisted. What would you scream? I just yell ah, real loud at it because I was hoping to make him go kind deaf. of like Chris Farley. Yeah, just yell at okay. it, make it real loud on there, yeah. and and hopefully, and once I did, and you could hear people in the background laughing at the guy that probably dropped his phone and fell out of his chair. At least that could be my hope. So, anyways, I, I'm trying to get blacklisted. But the other thing you can do, because this happens, and I did a cybersecurity talk this morning to a group of realtors and other people, but um, if you get those calls that say they're Apple tech support or Microsoft tech support or whatever it is, just tell them that you're going to go get your IT guy. And if it's a scam, every one of them will hang up on you. Oh. Because they they know an IT guy will know. I'm driving in my truck, and I say, let me go get my IT guy. Yeah, they don't know, right? And as soon as you say that, they're boop, they're done. They'll hang up. But... Hopefully, soon, this will get better. The the FCC has basically told all of the phone providers they have to figure out a solution to to this because it's such a big complaint. So Verizon's releasing something end of this week. AT&T and Comcast are working on theirs. If they start to get together, hopefully we'll see some real progress and drop all these robocalls. Yeah. Because it's just cheap and easy for bad guys to do. What does Comcast have to do with West Texas? Well, it, it doesn't. It's just they're part of the AT&T and Comcast are mentioned in that same article because they're working together. So Okay. Yeah. So they're collaborating. Yeah, but they do have Comcast like down in Houston and stuff. So not West Texas, but at least they're in Texas. Is there collusion? Uh, you know, <laughs> there is collusion between them. Wow. So, yeah. So. The only conclusion, uh, uh, collusion we have uh, concluded this week is... Yeah. AT&T and Comcast. Colluding against the bad guys. So it's a good collusion. Okay. Yeah. What else you got for me? So You're uh, going to wig me out, huh? No, I think this one is funny, and April Fool's is coming up. Everybody looks forward to the goofy tech. You know, like uh, Google one year did um, fiber to your house by flushing a thing down the toilet, and it would go back to Google and connect your fiber through your toilet. And Anyways, mm. April Fool's, a lot of these tech guys come out. They try to do funny stuff. Some of them have backfired. Microsoft came out and said, no April Fool's jokes. You can't do it. Yeah. So none of the Microsoft departments are going to be able to do it. We'll see if anybody else does because a few of them have backfired, but in general they're pretty funny. So I'm looking forward to it. But 
Uh, can I do some Alexa April Fools on my kids? Uh, maybe. We'll have to see. I wonder. I'll do some digging and see if we. I'm can gonna find get out. my kids this year. Yeah, on April Fools. We need to find something that'd be good to get the kids with. Yeah. yeah. Not anything that could be like jarring. Like mom and dad have talked about things, and we have some <laughs> things we want to. I don't want to go there. No. I'm just amazed at how smart and good Alexa is with the kids. Because today, home at lunch, and Sam, my five-year-old, asks Alexa how many teeth a pterodactyl has. 97. That's the answer. Hmm. Wouldn't have thought that. Had. Had. Sorry. Had. Yeah. Very, very past tense. That's that's a problem at our house. Is is this still real? That's what my five-year-old asked me. (laughs) Is this still? No. He doesn't ask if it's real. He asks, is it still in the world? Oh, that's good, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Hmm. Um, Other, I think, good news. Microsoft found um, a bunch of Iranian hackers and got permission legally this week to seize 99 different domains. So they have uh, shut down 99 different websites that were related to Iranian hackers that were hacking government and U.S. companies as well as some Middle Eastern companies. So I more say that to know that like a lot of people don't realize Microsoft spends a lot of time, effort, and money on stopping crime. And they have Do a they whole digital pay you crime to say unit. This? No, I just think Does Apple have a whole digital crime unit? Not as big. They work together with a lot of them, but not as much. Microsoft spends a ton of money on it. And I think a lot of it honestly started from counterfeited software. They were trying to stop the people who are counterfeiting the software. But it has grown into several of the last big stings where they've taken down big technology. You know, crime rings, Microsoft was in the lead in a lot of those. So they've, they've done a good job. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I think that we could talk about for a while, if you want, is, um, and I think this is interesting, it gets a little political, gets a little West Texas, and it gets a little technological, is uh, right to repair. And it's been a big deal. So right now you don't have really the right to repair your phone. If you repair your iPhone, you probably void the warranty if you don't do it through Apple, right? And there's a significant portion of devices that are like that. Apple claims it's because if you crack open their phone, you may ruin their trade secrets and these other things, and they have to control quality and security. And from a tech perspective, I would say... What would I be working on? Well, so here's the problem is, and a lot of people don't realize this, but you buy a part off of eBay, and you pop your phone open because you know how to do that, and you replace it. And really, that part was from somebody in China. I don't know how to do it. I just YouTubed it. That's it, right? But if that part came from China and wasn't an official Apple part, it could legitimately be something that could harvest your data or do things you didn't expect, and you willingly just plug that into your phone or your computer. So I get the tech company saying, we want you to use certified parts that are from us because we want to protect your safety. The truth is, a lot of the time, though, it is we want you to use our parts because we make money on it. And so one of the big ones, and this is what brings it back to West Texas, is agriculture. John Deere and a lot of these big companies will say, you can't have anybody fix your equipment but us. And if you do, it voids the warranty. If you void the warranty on a $1,000 iPhone, it may hurt you, but you're probably not upset about it. If you do it on a $100,000 or $200,000 tractor, that's bad news. Mm -hmm. And so... um, as much as I'm not a big fan of hers, but Elizabeth Warren, is, is that's one of her things she's starting to stump about, was um, right to repair, especially in the agriculture industry. And and I agree. I think that maybe if there's certification and guidelines that you should be able to get third-party people to do it, there probably needs to be some regulation around it to make sure people aren't putting in just hodgepodge crappy parts. But if you bought that equipment, you should be able to fix it. 
and that's maybe the libertarian in me or whatever, but I just, you own it, it's yours, you should be able to go fix it. Two or $300,000 tractor. Yeah. You're talking about big time. Big time. And I've heard, I've heard farmers tell me that I don't really own my equipment. Mm-hmm. That they still own it because they have the they have all the right rights. to repair. Yep. And so if it's fixed and they can't pay John Deere to fix it, then it's broken. Why? I just, why would Republicans balk at that? I don't think they would. The it's it's is, big tech is money. Is that her getting to the right of some Republicans? I, I think that's her in Iowa. Right? I mean she's in Iowa oh, and yeah. she's if you're in Iowa you want to get farmers you? on your side. You, you wanna just switch seats right now? <laughs> wow. And so I, I mean Delineating I think, the uh, political picture that well, it's that's why like I, I think right to repair is a right that we should have. But I also see where maybe it needs to be like John Deere, you can go get licensed from John Deere to go repair things and then maybe not be a specific John Deere technician. So I'm just a farm tractor repair guy, but I've been licensed by Case and John Deere and a few others, and now I can go repair them and set my rates and find parts. Just like you can go buy parts from, you know, AutoZone or O'Reilly for your car, you should be able to go buy those same parts that maybe you're, you know, not John Deere branded parts. Um, But John Deere at the same time, their warranties will change if they do that, right? I mean, they're going to minimize their risk if all that stuff happens. So it's a sticky situation. I get it, but I don't know. I just chat my hide to have a $300,000 tractor that was broken until the John Deere guy could fix up and charge whatever John Deere wanted him to charge. Yeah, let me ask you about something because it piques my interest, especially in light of yesterday's conversation uh, a company can always track where an employee is making social media posts, right? Typically. I mean, if you're doing it to the company account, then they'd be able to see, and it says who posted it, like under what account. But what if you're working with another organization while you're at work? That, to me, would depend on what your agreement was, right? And so if you're posting on social media for company B while working at company A... You're getting paid to be there for company A. Okay. Right? I mean, now, if you're supposed to legally have breaks and all that, and if you did it on your break time. I've got time, a, mat look, a matlock look on my face right now. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm getting set up, I feel like, here. I'm no, gonna, you are I'm going to walk into a bear trap. In a I'm, n- I'm not going to drag you into it. I'm just doing some intel. But, but I feel like it, it's you should still have break time and lunch and some other stuff. And, and the truth is people waste so much freaking time on Facebook anyways as long as you're succinct about it, my bigger thought would probably say I am a results guy. So if you can get the work done that you're supposed to get done and provide the results that you're supposed to provide and you can get that done in four or six hours, then you don't have to be there for eight hours, right? As long as the work's getting done, I'm I'm pretty low-key about everything. My concern would be when you have an employee who's not getting the work done and is posting to other people's social media or doing other things, then it would be concerning to me. Disconcerting. Disconcerting. All right. Yes. I don't mean to correct you with the double space there. Well, I, I paused for a little bit. Um, Verbal double space. Gosh, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I have to ask you on this edition of Bizarre Solutions right here on other side of Texas. Um, talk about Apple's announcements if you want. Yeah, what they're doing, is there anything groundbreaking? So 80% of all Apple's revenue, I think the number is, is, is iPhone and, and sales 80. of iPhone. It is huge. Wow. So Apple is 
very much interested in diversification. So they are now releasing a new streaming video service, and they said they're spent something like $2 billion on talent to start making original series and getting the right content signed up. And so the right their own form of Netflix. Yes. Yeah. So they're, they're launching their own video streaming service that uh, will have a lot of other content, but also I think they're going to try to make some of their own, and they're and putting big, big money behind it. Um, they've released their own credit card, which I think is borderline hilarious, but if that's what they want to do, and they're trying to drive people Why? to Apple Pay. Why is Apple doing financial services? Like, I mean, I guess everybody, you know, Lenovo and Dell, and they all have their own credit cards, and you earn points, so why not? But I just feel like if you're a tech company... But a lot of people spend... Like, I'm just looking at the desk right now. I'm in front of a Mac. Yep. A Mac desktop. Yeah. Um, I've got my... Airbuds, AirPods, yeah. Apple. I think whatever. they're AirPods. Yeah. yeah, I've got my mouse. I'm looking at a MacBook, a Mac AirBook. Yeah, which could your be iPad. Dated. Yeah. I've got my iPad. Your iPhone. I've got my iPhone. Yeah, and I've got my Apple Pencil. Yep. I would be interested in gaining some points back on all so, these. So what they're doing, is, as far as I can tell, is, is if you use... So here's the funny thing. If you get an Apple credit card, instantly when you're approved, you will get a digital credit card in your Apple wallet that you can use with Apple Pay. Then they will send you a titanium card that actually doesn't have a number or anything on it. It's associated back to your phone, really. And the rewards, and I forget if you get more back if you're buying Apple stuff, is 2% cash back. And it's just 2% cash back on all your stuff. That's what they're doing. But if you use the physical credit card, it's 1% cash back. Hmm. Then the other funny thing they did is, and this is, you know, legal gymnastics, is there are no late fees, but there are penalties and interest rates if you're late on your payments. So you're not going to get like a $25 late fee, but your interest rate could jump to, I think, 25%. Oh, which is, That's much more hurtful. Yeah, that, like, that hits the gut a lot harder. I mean, just right in the yeah. Yeah. And so they're they're gonna do it. They're they're trying to what they're trying to do is diversify and get more service revenue than they are relying on iPhone sales because it's a mature industry now, right? And so when a new iPhone comes out, are you really wowed? Like. I, even when the new the new Galaxy S10 came, I mean, like they'll have one or two neat things, yeah, but it's but not Daniel, like I just go, wow. Daniel, the digital millennial guru, told me, like my iPad came with a different plug-in in the bottom. Yeah. What is this thing called? Is that you know? USB-C or is it Lightning? Uh, no, it's a USB-C. Yeah. And he says that eventually, what people, what Apple wants to do over time, is you just plug in USB-C. Yep. To any unit, and it, uh, apparently it's just your passport to go anywhere, do anything. So USB any- USB C, they're trying to make be a universal standard, like Windows and all of them are, because then you can just use USB C. Oh, Windows is on it too. Yeah, they've had it for a while. Um, I the Apple products are getting it. Like in the MacBooks, they've had it for a while, and that would be the first iPads that have had it. And then like Samsung and a lot of the other Android phone guys have had it for the last year and a half, two oh, wow. years. So, but then it's one charger to rule them all, right? And USB C is a standard; nobody owns it. The big deal with Apple is they own the Lightning patents. So if you want to make a generic Lightning cable, you have to pay Apple. You can't just do it. And so they've generally, again, because Apple's Apple, have locked things into their standards instead of using everybody else's because they can make more dollar-dollar bills. So it's lingua franca here. We're 
trying to put out a common thing for everybody. Yep. Huh. And so USB-C has been a standard for a while. And uh, I actually even saw an ad today from Dell, and they said by 2022, 80% of all devices will have USB-C. But the USB-C, you can even do video over. So the vision is you do a USB-C cable from your monitor 1 to monitor 2, daisy-chained together, plugged into your laptop, and now with one cable, I've got all of these devices connected. And it makes your computer cleaner. You could charge your laptop off USB-C using the monitor's power. You know, I mean, there's a lot of this neat stuff that could happen with it. So USB-C, I think, would be cool. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you about the daisy chain, but he is Mike Bazaar. Bazaar Solutions. Mike, tell us what Bazaar Solutions does and how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so we are uh, outsourced IT for your small to medium business. And so if you're looking for IT help and more than just Uncle Bob down the street fixing your computers, we're your guys. So Bazaar Solutions, if you Google it, we're the website that pops up. Everybody else is like in India. Uh, B-A-Z-A-R solutions.com. Mike Bazaar, hey, uh, listen, I appreciate you listening to this edition of Other Side of Texas. Tomorrow, West Texas Air Force, Dustin Johnson. And these guys, West Texas Air Force, have a bunch of helicopters, and they just go in. They mm. went down to Houston yeah. and helped save a lot of people and li- livestock. They just flew up to the Midwest, where yeah. there's been record flooding in the Midwest, Nebraska, and other places. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Dustin Johnson going to come on the show with us and talk about search and rescue tomorrow. Daniel, the digital millennial, with us on Friday. Always good to be with you. Going to get home. Got to get home. Above average dinner. And a great family waiting for me there at the Ponderosa. The five-year-old. I think uh, some uh, we're in the thousands of dollars on cavity. Oh, on cavity. That's tough. Yeah, my kids are like that, and now my wife is like a flossing Nazi. I tell them it's a sucker, not a chewer. Yeah. So you know what we did when our kids got older? The they're eleven and nine right now, and we started doing this last year. Was they have to pay for any cavities now? What? Yes. That's on a lot of allowance. That kid would be an indentured servant on the leasing plantation for I don't know how long. Uh, well, that's our kids are selling eggs and, you know, they're doing the gun cleaning. Right? they got a few ways to make a few bucks, but it, uh, yeah, work at grandparents' houses or whatever. But since we've said that, you know how many cavities they've got? Zero. They're paying for cavities. Yeah, so no more cavities. Little Charlie's paying for his cavities. I'm going to go oh, home. My wife texts me, partial pay on cavities. Partial pay. We don't want people to think that we're horrible, mean people. Okay. I was thinking that. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> All right, uh, going to get off with you. Going to go home. Got to get home. Great family. Above average dinner. Rayvon buddies. Rayvon, we'll see you in next edition of Other Side of Texas. Break on the mountain